This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. like what I was like as a person before I considered myself a climber. Welcome to Range. I'm Amy Westervelt. This month we're featuring a mini-series from the North Face called She Moves Mountains. That was rock climber Emily Harrington you heard from in the intro. Emily is one of the best climbers in the country and all-around mountain athlete. This miniseries podcast was taped over the course of a week in June as the North Face presented its speaker series in D.C., Austin, and San Francisco. It includes a mix of outtakes from the events, behind-the-scenes interviews conducted along the way, and some footage from the annual North Face Athlete Summit. In each episode, we're profiling a different woman who's pushing boundaries in some way and inspiring other women. In addition to Emily, we're profiling ski mountaineer Hilary Nelson, photographer Laurel Golio, Bethany Lebowitz, the founder of Brown Girls Climb, and Alyssa Ravazio, founder and CEO of HipCamp. You can check them all out here. Now on to Emily's story. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Emily Harrington is awesome. She's one of the best climbers in the world right now, but when she first started out, she never imagined she'd make a career out of climbing rocks. So I'm a rock climber. I've been climbing since I was 10 years old, so about 21 years now. And I honestly, I mean, when you're 10 years old, I don't even remember like what I was like as a person before I considered myself a climber. Like that's sort of my... it's become totally my identity, but I do actually remember the very first time I climbed. And it was at this lake in Boulder, Colorado, um, called the Boulder Reservoir. And my family and I were out there, um, we were boating. And there was like one of those um, artificial walls that they have for kids to climb on and just try. It was some sort of festival thing. And I was there with my cousins who were both boys. And I grew up with my cousins were, similar ages and um they really wanted to climb the wall and i remember specifically not wanting to climb the wall (laughs) because and the reason is interesting it was because i only had my bathing suit on and i was like i can't climb this wall with my bathing suit on like that's (laughs) embarrassing but i was so competitive and i was so competitive with my two cousins who were boys i'm an only child so they were kind of like my siblings growing up that once they did it i was like 
that's it. I have to do it. I don't care that I'm wearing a bathing suit. It's fine. And I climbed the wall and I remember not only just like instinctually feeling this like just, oh, this is, this is my thing. This is what I want to do. Like it just felt so right. It felt so perfect. And I just had this like hunger to keep doing it. And I, I remember being like, dad, this is what I'm going to do. I want to go climbing tomorrow. I, this is, I'm going to quit all the other things that I do. So that's it. And <laughs> that's how it went. <laughs> Emily never did stop climbing after that, but it still took several years before she saw it as a viable career option. For a while, climbing was, it was just like what all the other kids do with, with all the other sports. It was something I did after school. It was how I made friends. I, I was very competitive. I wanted to be the best at it. But in my head, I was never oh, I'm going to be a professional climber because that still wasn't really too much of a thing back then. I mean, there were, that did exist, but I don't remember it really crossing my mind. I, I continued to like go to school and I went to college and I graduated with my degree and I was actually on my, I was, I was on my way to go to law school and I wanted to be a lawyer. And then I, I actually signed with the North Face, uh, almost over 10 years ago now and it was still one of those things where I was like, okay, cool. Like, I can do this for a little bit. I'll travel. It'll be awesome. And then I'll go back to school and become a lawyer. And then I'm just still there. I think Emily would make a pretty fierce litigator, but she's not done climbing yet. And I can't imagine she will be for quite a while. Despite her toughness, one thing that came through in multiple conversations with Emily was a lifelong struggle with fear and doubt. One that, in the first couple decades of her life, often intersected with gender. So, I mean, I guess one thing that I remember growing up as a little girl when I first started climbing was I was always the type of kid that I felt like I had something to prove because I was a girl. Um, I felt like the, the general opinion of girls in climbing was that they're more afraid and I was afraid and it really bothered me and it made me feel a lot of uh, shame and it made me try to, to fight the fear and it caused a lot of like frustration and anger at myself and, and more just like inwardly. And I wish that someone had told me that it was okay to be afraid, that it was like a very acceptable human emotion and that I could use it as a strength and that I could turn it around. And that's something that I'm still learning like, you know, every day. Um, so I guess there was that, just that like nagging thing in my head, like, oh, I'm afraid because I'm a girl. Um, and that came from, I think, just being socialized that way as like a child. Um, and I do think that that's probably different now for girls now, I, I think, um, at least. <laughs> Maybe it's ch it is changing because there are more female role models in, in our industry, at least. And uh, I would hope that I play like a small role in that. Um. The most inspiring thing for me about Emily, and there's a lot to choose from, is the way she's been able to shift that perspective on fear and doubt and not only accept it as a human thing and just part of being a person, but actually turn it into a source of strength. I especially love her take on the sort of tyranny of confidence that's so prevalent in U.S. culture. In an early conversation, she told me, you know, you should never doubt yourself sounds cool, I guess, but it's just not reality. Here she is expanding on that idea a bit. My personal feeling is that we all strive for this, like, oh, we shouldn't doubt ourselves. We should always believe in ourselves. We should, we should think that we can do anything. But the reality is that we all feel doubt. We all have fear. We all 
kind of have this feeling that, that things are impossible at certain times in our lives. And I think that for me, that's what's driven me to do what I've done in my life with, with climbing and, and beyond that is, is this feeling actually the feeling of doubt and the feeling of fear. And I think that we have this very negative, uh, attitude towards doubting ourselves. And it's almost like uh, there's a little bit of shame involved, but I think that if we can all learn to kind of embrace it and accept it and use it, it can become a strength as opposed to a weakness and it can push us to, to do things we didn't think we could do. I think it's just a, a different way to look at it and a little bit more of an accepting way to look at it because the reality is that those things exist and we all feel them all the time. I love her take on this stuff. And it's especially interesting in the context of Emily's career, which entails a lot of risks that anyone would and should approach with a bit of fear. Talking about risk and danger in the mountains is, uh, I think it's a hard question for all of us who, who focus our lives around it because we've all, we've all been close to tragedy at, at some point or another or experienced it firsthand. So it's definitely a little bit of a, a tough subject, but I think in a lot of ways it's, it's kind of why we, why we do what we do. I mean, if there was certainty and safety at all times, um, I don't, I don't think it would have the same level of satisfaction or, or teach us as much about ourselves. Um, so, you know, I think it's a give and take, like being in the mountains, it's, it, they can teach us so much and they can also take so much away from us. And for me, it's really just this balancing act of, of, of trying to err on the side of caution and, and on the side of conservatism at all times and, and really take those lessons away from there and apply them to other aspects of life. Um, you know, I, I, I respect and I appreciate um, the fact that we take risks in the mountains and, you know, I, I just, I try to, I try to learn from them and I try to always make the conservative decision and I try to let the mountains teach me things. One thing the mountains have taught Emily is that sometimes she has to give up on something before she can accomplish it. She's got a particularly great story of that process about when she free climbed El Capitan in Yosemite. When I was little, I had this dream to climb El Capitan in Yosemite. And it's like a 3,200 foot um, granite wall that's very iconic and famous uh, throughout the world. And I had a bunch of mentors who had free climbed it, which means they had climbed it using only their hands and feet um, and uh, no aid or anything and just a rope in case they fell. And there's not very many people who can climb El Capitan in that style um, because it is so difficult and it's so big and it requires a huge amount of skills and experience and a lot of determination. And um, when I first start, learned how to do this style of climbing, I was absolutely terrified. I had spent maybe 15 years of my life as a, a national champion rock climber, I'd won all these competitions, I'd climbed really hard outside on like in like a different style of climbing, and then here I was, and I wanted to climb this huge wall, and I just had no idea how to do it, and I didn't really have the skills. Even though I was really good at one style, I had no knowledge of this other style. And so I basically had to start over again. 
and I had to learn a completely different discipline. And it was very humbling. There were a lot of tears. Um, there was a lot of frustration and, and uh, you know, like having to, to go back to being a beginner again at something that you thought you were an expert at is really hard for the ego. Um, <laughs> and eventually I, uh, I, I'm, I started trying to climb this route on El Cap and um, it took me six days on the wall and I uh, went through every single kind of emotion possible. Um, there was a lot, a lot of tears, a lot of screaming, a lot of that like going into the dark place and saying I can't do it. But as Hillary said, I didn't really have much of a choice because you're on the side of a cliff, like living in like a little, on a little ledge. And like you could go down, but it would be this huge effort to go down. And it's almost, it's almost easier to go up or at least to keep trying. And so I was gonna keep trying as long as we had like enough food and water. And um, after six days spent like literally just toiling, like I was bleeding from everywhere. I was like so exhausted. I and I was the cool thing actually was that when I first started trying the route, I was like terrified. It, it was like I didn't trust my rope anymore. I kept doing things like sitting down on the rope to make sure it still worked. I've never done that in my entire life. <laughs> And um, I was, like, so paralyzed by how high off the ground I was because there's just so much air under your feet. I'd never felt that before. And by the end of it, I was so focused on the goal that none of that mattered anymore. It was like I was so comfortable. I was so comfortable swinging around up there. I was so comfortable living up there. And when I, and when I came to that realization, that was actually one of the coolest things. I was, I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm actually comfortable living up here. This is a total transformation of who I am as a climber. And, and I was successful, barely, by the skin of my teeth. And it was amazing. And it was like truly, it was just such an amazing adventure for me and an amazing success. This was a story I heard Emily tell at every stop on the tour, but each time she added a different detail. My favorite was the one that came out in Austin. It took me six days to get up this route. And I had my boyfriend belaying me and this is where it also ties into this whole partnership question um because I literally I cried so much and I got so mad at myself and I went through every kind of emotion and I in the end I was successful because I essentially gave up like a dozen times on the route <laughs> but your boyfriend was like oh my god and what my boyfriend Adrian just had to like kind of like deal he had to take it and <laughs> It, that takes a special kind of person to like be able to sit there and be like, oh my God, this person is freaking out. We're 2,000 feet off the ground. She's crying again. And he would say things like, I can't believe you cry while you're holding on. Like, how do you even like, you're crying while you're climbing. And like, after it all, like after it all settles down, I'm, I, I admit to him, I'm like, yeah, that, this happens. Like, this is my thing. I do this. Like, I'm sorry, you know. But we're six years in, so we're good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for me, it's this cycle that I go through. And it's like, it's almost like I'm never going to learn my lesson. But or maybe that is the lesson. Like, I just, just, that's my process. And I've kind of learned to accept that about myself. This image of her bleeding and crying and giving up and then just scrapping her way up that wall is so great. 
After hearing that story, it might not come as a surprise that Emily is taking a little break from climbing right now. Because of course, sometimes when your passion becomes your profession, you need to work at keeping it fun. And that's part of what has made Emily such a well-rounded mountain athlete. She's been on multiple mountaineering expeditions with the North Face, including several with Hillary. And lately she's taken up running through the Sierra Nevada near her home in Tahoe. Actually, rock climbing is not my favorite thing to do right now. I've chosen to take a little break from climbing, and I live up in Tahoe, so pretty close by. And yeah, (laughs) one of my favorite things to do recently has been just to like go running or like run hiking, whatever you want to call it. And I've been really enjoying it because unlike, like I ski all winter and I climb a lot, you know, I spent all season doing both sports and you just need stuff like there's always stuff involved and equipment and you need a plan and you need a partner and you need just like it's just a lot of stuff and sometimes I don't want to deal with that especially right now and so (laughs) running is like my thing that I do and I don't wear a watch and I don't know how far I'm going and I don't have a plan and I just go out sometimes by myself sometimes with friends sometimes with music sometimes not and it's just like this very like freeing activity that I do. That's It's kind of the opposite of all the other sports that I do, so. Another thing Emily's taken up lately is of course a little extreme. She recently learned how to fly a plane and says it's hands down the riskiest thing she's tried yet. And that includes summoning Everest. So anyway, I started learning how to fly airplanes and I um, actually had a, a female instructor which was really, um, really nice and comforting, actually. I, I was super intimidated for some reason to have a male instructor, and it was really nice to have a female um, next to me, kind of like guiding me along the way. And um, so the way that the, the flight to get your private pilot works is you, you fly with an instructor for a period of time, and you learn like takeoffs and landings and all this stuff. And, um, and then you do your solo before you get your license, and that's when you like fly by herself in the plane and you do three takeoffs and landings in the in the pattern so you basically like take off go around land and do that three times and if of all the things I've done in my whole life like climbing and cli- I've climbed Everest and like I've, d- I've done like some stuff but this <laughs> was literally the most committing most terrifying like it, it was so I've never felt more committed to anything in my entire life because taking off is actually a very easy thing. Like, you could teach someone how to take off in an airplane in five minutes. You just, like, kind of gun it and then lift up. And then (laughs) you're in the air, and there's no one next to you, and you're just like, I have to get this thing on the ground, and that's by far the hardest thing. And that's where all the things go wrong. And there's no, like, you know, in climbing, you can say take, or, like, you can, you know, sit on the rope, or you can, there's just so many, like, exits. But when you're in an airplane by yourself, it's just you. And you are the one that has to, like, put the plane on the ground. And for me, it was this, like, almost panicked moment where I was like, oh, my God, what did I do? I'm not ready. I don't know what I'm doing. I couldn't talk to my instructor. She was just, like, down there on the runway, like, Instagram storying this. (laughs) And um, and I had, like, a real moment where I was like, oh, no, can I do this? And there is no choice at that point. You have to do it. Um, and I did, obviously, I'm still here. So I pulled it off. Uh, I got the plane on the ground three times. And there was, like, a couple moments where I thought, I, like, 
thought that I was going to blow it. And then I got out of the plane and she was like, you did awesome. It was perfect. And I was like, it wasn't perfect. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but it was a very intense, it was like a super intense experience for me. And I still honestly don't feel like I'm ready to go do that again. I haven't done it since. <laughs> Emily says another challenge she's been thinking about for a long time, it's not directly sports related. She'd like to have a family someday and spend a lot of time worrying about how and whether that could work with her career as an athlete. In climbing, there's always going to be these these objectives that are, I have in my head that I that I seek out and that I aspire to. And some of them I might never reach, but I like, I really like having a goal. I like having something to work towards. Um, and I like having really diverse goals. So I have a, I have a lot of goals like in sport climbing. I have a lot of goals in like big wall climbing, like stuff on El Capitan and Yosemite and then like ski mountaineering stuff. Um, and then for me personally, you know, I'm at an age now, I'm 31 and I'm in a pretty long-term relationship. And I think like the next big, you know, the big thing that I'm thinking about is having a family. And, and that is something that I am terrified of because I'm terrified of like changing my, my life and having to, you know, take care of, of something else and give my time and energy to someone else. Um, but at the same time, I've, you know, I've kind of been able to watch Hillary and a lot of other women um, do it and do it really well and in a really inspiring way and in a way that, you know, maybe wasn't quite so common as it is. I mean, it's still not very common, but it's at least I have a mentor or mentors to look up to and, and kind of um, try to follow their example, at least. At the final event in San Francisco, an audience member asked the speakers who their own role models were, which women they would list as personal heroes. And Emily said Hillary, in part because of how she's watched her balance having kids and a really big career as a pro athlete. Eight and a half years ago, I met Hillary after a North Face Athlete Summit at an airport, and I lived in Boulder at the time, and she lived in Telluride, and so we were both flying on the same flight to Denver, and I just saw her in the airport, and I was like, oh, that's the woman who was at the athlete summit with the baby, and she had, like, her son, Graydon, and she had, um, you know, all the baby stuff that, like, I didn't understand at the time, and she had a lot going on, and she was, like, <laughs> kind of, like, stumbling through the airport, and, like, you know, he's crying, and we ended up sitting down and talking, and I didn't even know anything about Hillary. I'd kind of just joined the North Face team, and she was like, yeah, I'm a ski mountaineer, and I do expeditions, and I, you know, I do all this stuff, and I was like, oh, okay, cool, and like, you know, is this your, this is your son? She's like, yeah, and I also have a, I also have like a two-year-old at home, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> this woman, she must be like crazy, or she's like a superhero, because I don't understand, because literally for ever since I started climbing, uh, professionally, I've also had it in my head that maybe this isn't a lot, you know, maybe this isn't a career that I can sustain throughout my life because I do want to have a family and maybe it's not possible for me to do both. Maybe, and I didn't, you know, I, up until I met Hillary, I didn't really have any role models who showed me that that was something that was, that could be done. And then we went and climbed Everest together in 2012 and then we went to Myanmar together and Makalu, and we've been on all these expeditions together. And she's kind of like been this person that's shown me that, yeah, you, you can do it. You can follow your passion and have a career and still have a family. And that's been so comforting to me.
as a working mom myself, I also found that pretty inspirational. And that's a big part of what Emily and Hillary and the other North Face athletes are trying to do here. Get more people outside, get them exploring. Emily had a great take on that and why it's so important, whether it's something as extreme as what she and Hillary do or just getting out for a daily walk. You know, as humans, we are curious and we want to learn about the world and we want to learn about ourselves and we want to learn about others. And nowadays, it's pretty easy to avoid doing those things, actually, especially, you know, for all of us probably in this room with the lives that we've are, we're lucky enough to live, it's pretty comfortable. You know, you, you don't really have to, you don't have to go outside. You don't have to struggle to survive. You don't have to face a, a lot of things that, that we've chosen to face, like by going to the outdoors and kind of exploring our own potential and exploring our interactions with other people. I think that, that going outside and whether that's like, going to Mount Everest or just going camping for the first time. It's, it's challenging, challenging in a way that we don't necessarily, we, we, we don't have to do that anymore in normal life. And I think as humans, we kind of need that in order to feel productive, in order to learn about ourselves, in order to connect with other people. And that's why it's important. That's why it's important for our children. That's why it's important to protect these places. That's why we need to care about them is because if we lose that, we lose like a part of who we are as human beings. That's a pretty good note to end on, I think. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss any of the series. In future episodes, we'll be profiling ski mountaineer Hillary Nelson, who some of you might know as Hillary O'Neill, photographer Laurel Golio, Bethany Lebowitz, the founder of Brown Girls Climb, and Alyssa Ravazio, the founder and CEO of Hip Camp. They're all really interesting, inspirational women, so be sure to come back and check those out. That's it for this time. Thanks for listening. She Moves Mountains is a Verb Cabin production in association with Critical Frequency. This miniseries podcast was produced by me, Amy Westervelt, and executive produced by Mike Rogie, Katie Clifford, Landon Bassett, Kevin Hogan, and Jake Moe. Art direction is by Blake Kimmel. The North Face Speaker Series Tour Manager is Chris Sylvia. The North Face Speaker Series Event Coordinator is Brandon Fries with Outlier Productions. For more information on this production or on any other episodes of Range, please contact me at howdy at rangepodcast.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time.